0: I'm excited that you're here this morning as we continue uh, this series from First and Second Samuel on King David. Uh, I told Hunter this past week, I said, you, you need to change that slide that says a summer with King David because this has gone much longer than I thought it would. And uh, we're just going to ride it out to the very end. I've got some good news and I've got some bad news for you today. The good news is that we've moved on to 2 Samuel. And the bad news is that we're going to cover five chapters this morning. Um, but uh, that sounds like a lot, but it's really not. As a matter of fact, we're not going to look at much of it at all. We're just going to talk about it uh, mostly. Uh, I would encourage you to read through it all. Maybe this afternoon after your Nazarene nap or, or uh, sometime this week, I would encourage you to read these five uh, chapters. Uh, it's very interesting. I would not recommend uh, reading it as a bedtime story to your children, though. Uh, If this were a movie, it would definitely be rated R. Um, But throughout this series, we've been talking about the fact that God said uh, back in 1 Samuel chapter 13 that David was a man after his own heart. And I I know that there were a lot of reasons uh, for that, uh, probably a lot of reasons that God would say that about David. But this morning, I want to look at three specific reasons that I think we see here uh, in our text this morning uh, as to why God would say that David was a man after his own heart. And not only that, but talk about the fact that these three characteristics... Uh, should be uh, and can be the characteristics of every single one of us that calls ourselves a follower of Christ because it's what we've been called to. It's who we are as the children of God, the people of God. And and so uh, these three characteristics this morning are my prayer for you, my prayer for our church, uh, and most specifically my prayer for me this morning but before we get to that I just want to uh, uh, have a kind of a brief recap of where we're at and the context of what's taking place here last week uh, we left 1st Samuel we finished up 1st Samuel on kind of a sad note uh, Jonathan who was David's best friend has been killed in a battle uh, with the Philistines. King Saul had been wounded in this battle and, and he had begged uh, someone to uh, take his life uh, before the Philistines got to him and, and uh, that person wouldn't do it. And so Saul uh, ended up taking his own life tragically and a lot of events that, that followed that. But, but David wasn't there. David wasn't in Israel because he had been exiled from Israel by King Saul because the prophet Samuel had anointed David to be the next king. Saul became uh, extremely jealous uh, of that and tried to kill David on multiple occasions. And This is where the, the, the book of 2 Samuel picks up. And so let's pick it up together this morning, starting at verse 2, here in 2 Samuel chapter 1. It says, A man arrived from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. When he came to David, he fell to the ground to pay him honor. Where have you come from? David asked him. He answered, I have escaped from the Israelite camp. What happened? David asked. Tell me. The men fled from the battle, he replied. Many of them fell and died, and Saul... And his son Jonathan are dead, and so this is the first that David has heard uh, uh, of Israel's loss and Saul and Jonathan's death. And, and there's there's you know a, a lot more to this story than what we're going to cover uh, here today. But I want to focus on th- these three things that jump out to us here in Second Samuel that shows us the character. Uh, of a man or woman after God's own heart and specifically talking about David's character at this time. He was far from perfect uh, but we will see some characteristics that I believe to be true characteristics of anyone who is a true follower of Jesus Christ. So what makes David a man after God's own heart? Well, I'm glad you asked. The first thing that we see here is David's devotion to submission. All right, David has never tried. If you think back, if you've, if you've been here over the summer or you're familiar with the story, you know that David never tried to reach the throne by taking matters into his own hands. Uh he he just wouldn't do it. He had been promised, yes. He had been anointed, yes, that he would be the king of Uh, one day and so the throne was rightfully his he knew that the throne would be his someday and 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 David had several situations arise where he had an opportunity to take Saul out you'll remember the uh, interesting uh, incident in the cave and and there were other situations where David was in a place to where he could eliminate uh, this enemy, uh, he could eliminate the threat of Saul, and he could have forced his way uh, to the throne as the king of Israel. But what we see is, is that David instead was devoted to being submissive to God. Right? He, he was devoted to being submissive to God and waiting on, and this is so hard, waiting on God's timing. Instead of just trying to bull rush in, take, you know, take the bull by the horns and, and rush in and try to do things in his own timing. He was very aware of the fact that God's timing was perfect. And it's important that a follower of Christ be submissive to God and God's timing and and, and allowing Him to do things in His time and in His uh, way. And this doesn't mean that that we're to be passive. This doesn't mean we get a free pass just to come in and sit down and get comfortable, you know, and, and, and sit around and do nothing waiting on God to do something. No, we see that that David was very active. We see the character of a follower of God throughout David's life and the things that he did, the way that he reacted in some of the decisions that he made. And his primary posture was this. It was listening to God first. He wasn't listening to his men who were telling him what they thought he ought to do wasn't listening to his best friend, he wasn't listening to Facebook, he wasn't listening to all the other voices outside. He was careful to try to focus on and to hear the voice of God and the leading of God first. You see, David didn't didn't figure out what he was going to do and then ask God to bless him. Instead, he asked God, God, what do you want to do And how can I join you in what you're doing? And he seeks to follow God in that way. I want to give you an example of this. If you flip over to chapter 2 this morning, chapter 2 starting at verse 1, it says, In the course of time, David inquired of the Lord. Here he is again. He's inquiring of the Lord. Where shall I go? shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah? He asked. The Lord said, go up. David asked, well, where shall I go? And he says, to Hebron, the Lord answered. And so David went up there. Don't miss this. God, where do you want me to go? Because I don't want to get ahead of you. Where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to be? Because I want to join you there. Right? I don't want to leave you here and go there on my own. I want to join you where you're going to be and where you want me to be at this particular place, at this particular time, in this particular situation. And we've talked about this before. This isn't anything new, but a follower of Christ, as followers of Christ, we should be looking for where God is at work. We should be looking for where he is at work and then joining him in that work that he's doing. Being a successful follower of Jesus Christ is not attempting to do things for him and then asking him to bless it. Success, if, if you want to think about uh, uh, being a successful follower of Christ, uh, being successful in, in following God is discerning where God is at work and where God wants us to be in that work. Because, friend, here's the deal. He has called you to His work. He has called us to His work. My, the, the biggest problem that I have is, is it is like god here's what i'm gonna do i want you to help me do it here's what i'm gonna do i want you to bless it here's what i think is the best thing to do i have this great idea god would you bless my idea and instead what 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 scripture tells us and and what the spirit speaks into our lives is this hey take your ears use them to listen For where God is at work or where God might have you help or where God might have you uh, uh, get involved, have the ears to listen and the eyes to see where God is at work and then join Him in that work. A lot of us go through life and and go through our Christian life backwards. We tend to think, God, this is what I think needs to be done, so I I need you to follow me. I, I need you to help me in that. But all throughout Scripture, we see this. God is the primary actor in the Word of God. All right? It's not the Word of David, right? It's not the word of, uh, of Moses. It's the Word of God. God is the primary actor throughout Scripture. And what, what is He doing all throughout Scripture? And even still in this world today. He's using people for His work, but He is the primary actor. He is the one who saves, all right? He's the one who saves people. He is the one bringing salvation. He is the one bringing blessings to this earth. Our job is to discern where he's doing that and then join him in that work. Jesus even explained this, and I'm not going to, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. He's basically defending himself. He's defending his ministry. And in John chapter five, this is, is what Jesus says he's come to do. It was the theme of his ministry. He says, he says, what I've come here to do. He said, listen, my father is always at work, right? He, he is, he is the supreme one right now. I've come down here. I'm a human being, And so what I've done is I've come to this earth, just like you, and he says, I've come to this earth, my father is at work around me, and so my job while I'm here is to look at where he wants to use me and then go there and join him in that work. Figure out what it is. All right, okay, God, you want, me to, you want me to travel from this place to this place? Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to go to this place because God's leading me this way. And here's a woman at a well, and I really don't have time to talk to this woman at a well. But I, I, I feel like, you know, there, there, there's something there. And so I just go, and I strike up this conversation with this lady because I feel like that's where God wants to work in her life. And so I'm going to go and just be available. Just be available. To be a part of what he's doing in this world. And so don't miss this. A person after God's own heart seeks to join him in the work that he is doing. And I'll be honest, today, this is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for our church, but but more importantly, this is a prayer for 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 me. Matter of fact, this sermon is for me today. Y'all, y'all, y'all get them, go home if you want to, because this is just for me. All right? I, I needed to hear this more than anything. But I'll be honest with you in the early service this morning, I, I doubt any of those people ever come back to our church. I, it, it was absolutely the worst thing ever. I could not string two sentences together. I, I, I couldn't. And uh, I, matter of fact, I walked out and, and I met Daniel at the door, and I was going to my office, and I had my head down, and I just looked up at him, and I, I said, I got to go write another sermon. <laughs> but, but I didn't. Because God kind of convicted me and said, Steve, if you'll stick to your notes, you'll be okay. <clears throat> and here I am off my notes again. But you know, I, for, for most of my life, and, and I struggle with this, and, and so I, I feel like if this is my struggle, surely some of y'all may have the same struggle. But you know what? I've always assumed that it was my job to fix everything, that it was my job to fix people. My job to fix situations, my job to walk into the his hospital room and pray the prayer in just the exact way that it would move God to, you know, heal that person right there on the spot. I, I always felt like that, you know, it was my job to fix everything and then seek His help to do that. But I, I, I've come to the realization, and, and it's really a relief to me, my job is just to join Him in what he's doing okay steve i want you i want you to go to this hospital room but but i want you to walk in there and i want you to listen because if you'll listen you'll hear exactly how i want to use you in this room you will hear exactly what the work is that that needs to be done in this situation right here so so you just use your ears to listen and you'll hear where i want you to work you will see What it is that I need you to do right now and in this moment. My job is to join him in what he's doing. It's your job as well. We've been called to do his work. That's what we've been called to do, is his his command to us before he left this earth. He said, I'm gonna give you a helper, I'm gonna send you a helper. He's gonna be more help than I've been. I'm going to send you a helper, and here's what you're going to need help doing. Here's the command that I leave you, the command that I give you. You go make disciples. And I think so many people today that call themselves followers of Christ fail to remember what our assignment has been, to look for where he is wanting us to work and going and join him in making disciples and building the kingdom of God. And you know what, when, when we understand that he's the primary actor and, 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 and that he is the one that is saving, he is the one that's bringing salvation to the world, he is the one that is blessing, uh, sending blessings, it, it really takes the pressure off of us. And what I mean by this is, you know what, it's not really my responsibility to save my crazy uncle. You know, it's not my responsibility to save my neighbor. It's not my responsibility to, to, to save my friends. The Holy Spirit does that. And so often we get caught up in thinking, we gotta be the one that does it. I gotta be the one that saves my husband. I gotta be the one that no, 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 no. You look for where God is at work and you be available to be used because he is the one who brings salvation he is the one who brings change he is the one who transforms minds and hearts and mouths and attitudes we can't do that you can't fix me and i can't fix you (laughs) and you certainly can't fix your husband hello although every woman in here should have said amen It it takes a lot of pressure off when we realize, I'm not the Savior. I'm not the one that has to do the saving. I'm not the one that has to do the transforming. The Holy Spirit does that. You know what? I may lose my job after I say this, but it is not my responsibility to grow this church. It's not my responsibility to grow this church either numerically or spiritually. He does that. Through the work that we join him in. Through, through, not just through the work that I join him in, through the work that we join him in as the body of Christ. You see, it's all our responsibility. I'm the one that gets reviewed every few years, but <laughs> it's all our responsibility. He does that. He invites me to join him in what he is doing, which means this, that my great ideas are not near as important as simply listening to what he's saying, seeing what he is doing, and then being available to join him in that. And, and I'm going to tell you, um, I, pro- I should have probably saved this sermon for a few weeks from now, but, but you get, just start preparing yourself for it, because the month of October, we're coming for you. Okay? The month of October, all right, we've, we've coasted, we've, we've let you get comfortable, we've let you all get your assigned seat in the house. The month of October, we're coming for you, and we're going to make you uncomfortable. Every single week is going to be a different campaign uh, to get volunteers in different areas of ministry in the church. Where God is at work, and He needs people to join Him. And so come October, some of you are already scheduling. All right, well, I'm going to be out October 1st, October 8th. I'm going to be out of town. The first quality that makes David a man after God's own heart is his devotion to being submitted. And I just want to ask you before we move on this morning, is that, is that your attitude toward life? Is that that your attitude toward your career? Maybe toward your dating life? Toward your retirement? God, open my eyes in this so I can see what you're doing. Open my eyes in this so I can see how I can join you. And I've spent entirely too much time on this. I'm going to move on. Second quality that made David a man after God's own heart was his devotion to mercy. Mercy, 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 grace, 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 forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Man, after David hears about Saul's death and Jonathan's death, we see here recorded in in the first chapter of Samuel that David writes this eulogy. It starts there around verse 17 and goes on through uh, the end of the chapter. And and at the beginning of of each chorus or stanza or whatever you want to call it, he says, how the mighty have fallen. And and you read through that and, and it's almost confusing because there's not one negative word about Saul in any of this, in this whole thing. Instead, it's filled with lines like verse 23 there. Saul and Jonathan, in life they were loved and admired and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. And he continues to tell the nation of Israel, weep and mourn because of their passing. Weep and mourn because of the fact that your leader is gone. And and we know what Saul's done to David. I mean, we've been following that all along. We know what Saul's done to David. And I'm like, you know, if I'm David, I'm like, finally, he's out of my hair, right? There have been people, and and none of y'all, I would never think or say this about some of y'all, but there have been people uh, before that have got mad and and left the church and went to another church and got mad there too, but but when they left, I was like, thank God they're gone, right? That was a joke. Dead serious. But I mean, wouldn't you think that was David's attitude in this? Finally! But where's the satisfaction that this is finally over? Where's the vengeance? Where's the anger? David had nothing to say about Saul except to praise him. And if you read the next five chapters, you're going to see, uh, you know, what really dominates his rise to power is the fact that he extended mercy. He was devoted to extending mercy to others because why? Because mercy had been extended to him. Has that happened to anybody here? Has mercy been extended to you? Because here's here's David's thought on this whole thing and his relationship with God. This this extreme mercy that has been extended to me, I'm supposed to be an extension of that to other people. In these situations, in these places where God is at work and He's called me to be there and, and I show up and it's like, God, what do, you, what do you want me to do? Just be merciful? Just look and act like your Father? He, he mourns the death. Over these, these next five chapters, you'll read that He mourns the deaths of His enemies. And then His enemies that, that come to Him and want to reconcile He throws feast for them, right? Most of David's men, they want to get revenge on Saul's men that had been chasing them through the wilderness and into the caves. But David keeps saying, no, it's time. Listen, it's time for a different kind of kingdom. I believe God's wanting to say to his church today, listen, church, it's time for a different kind of kingdom on this earth. And it's God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is filled with mercy. It's filled with love. It's filled with grace. It's filled with forgiveness. Some of our greatest leaders in history are considered great leaders because they they got this and they understood this and they practiced this. After the horrific tragedy of of slavery and the bloodiness and the death that happened in the civil war abraham lincoln famously said in his second inaugural speech he said that we would achieve a just and lasting peace among ourselves by dedicating ourselves to binding up the nation's wounded on both sides on both sides he said this, and some of, you, some of you may not be big fans of some of these quotes I'm going to share with you today, but Abraham Lincoln said this, and I thought it's a tremendous statement. He said, I've always found that mercy bears richer fruits than strict justice. Think about it in your own life. I believe this too could be said of the experiences that you've had. Mercy bears richer fruits than strict justice. A hundred years later, Martin Luther King said, Repaying hate for hate only intensifies the existence of hate and evil in the universe. The strong person is the person who can cut the chain of hate. Somebody must have enough of God in them to cut hate off and inject within the very structure of the universe that strong and powerful element of love. Some of you may think that it's weird that I follow the Pope on Twitter. I found it interesting that he and I agree on a lot of things. This morning, while I'm scrolling through social media to see that the end of the world is coming and Sam Pittman is somewhere in hiding, I ran across this that the Pope said as part of his message this morning. He said, without forgiveness, there is no hope. Without forgiveness, there is no peace. Forgiveness is the oxygen that purifies the air of hatred. I I want to read that again. Forgiveness is the oxygen that purifies the air of hatred. It is the antidote to the poisons of resentment. It is the way to diffuse anger and heal so many maladies of the heart. Friends, when we act in mercy, we are living in the character of our Father. David was a man after God's own heart because he was an extension of God's heart of mercy. Jesus said, to the merciful, God shows himself merciful. And that's what he did with David. And then one more thing this eulogy reveals about David's heart is that he was devoted to God's glory. It was all about God's glory. What, what we see here in this eulogy of, uh, of chapter 1 is that David, uh, you know, it's, it, it's what he grieves is, is what Saul's death meant for the reputation of God. That, that's what he's grieving. When you, when you read this, you can see this, that what he is grieving is what Saul's death meant for the reputation of Israel, the children of God in the world. He, he says uh, on down there in verse 19 and 20, he said, A gazelle lies slain on your heights, Israel. How the mighty have fallen. And then he says this: tell it not in Gath, proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, which are Philistine cities, the enemy, lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. Here's the deal: Saul's death was a really good thing for David personally. It opened the path for David to become the king of Israel. But do you notice that David does not mention a single word about that anywhere here? He doesn't talk about it. Paul Tripp says that you can know all you need to know about a man's heart by what he celebrates and what he mourns. How interesting. You can know all you need to know about a man or woman's heart by what they celebrate and what they mourn. What is it that, what, what is it that you celebrate in your life? What is it that you mourn in your life? That just a quick glance at Twitter this morning. Uh, everybody besides the Pope uh, seems to be mourning the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville. Huh? Do we get as upset about a lost soul as we do a lost game? Hello. Do we celebrate what Jesus has done in our lives the way that we celebrate the national championship? Hello. You can tell a lot about a man or woman by what they celebrate and what they mourn. And David here is mourning what this means for God's reputation in the world. He's not worried about his his status, his situation, anything else. He's worried about how this is going to make his God look. How's this going to make my father look? Do we ever wonder that? Do we ever care about that? How is this going to make him look? The one who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. How's it going to make him look? And quit worrying about how it's going to make us look. Or what people's going to think about us. Or people are going to say about us. What are they going to think about him? What are they going to say about him when they see the way that I acted in that situation? David mourns what this means for God's reputation and not his own. That's how low his own glory was on his list. So let me ask you this morning. How high is your glory and personal gain on your list? How high is your glory and personal gain on your list of priorities? What is it that you get the most excited about? What is it that you worry the most about? Do you pray about and daily consider how you might glorify God? Instead of worrying about what people are going to say at you at work or what they're going to say about you at the coffee shop or what they're going to, what they're going to think about you. Do, do we ever think when we start our, our day, what are they going to think about God and how I live my life today? What are they going to think about Him and what I do and where I go and what I say? And do we pray daily that our lives would bring glory to our Father? Who has shown us extravagant love, extravagant mercy, extravagant forgiveness, extravagant blessings. What are people going to think about him? My hope and prayer is that I would care more about God's kingdom than I do Steve's kingdom. You will know all you need to know about someone's heart by what they celebrate and by what they mourn. Three amazing things about David was his devotion to being submitted to God, his devotion to extending mercy to others, and his devotion to bringing glory to his Father. Three things. God looked at his heart and said, this is a man after my own heart. How could David be the perfect king He couldn't, could he? We know the story. We know that he couldn't be the perfect king. You see, David wasn't the answer. David wasn't the cure-all for all the division in Israel. Uh, we see that in these first five chapters. There were still, after Saul was gone, there was still this great division among the nation. I, I, I don't know if anybody can even relate to a nation being divided or not. I don't know if that ever crosses your mind, but that's what was going on in David's situation. And oh, by the way, David was not the answer. Another king was not the solution to the problem. Another president is not going to fix all that cures the United States of America. Hello? Some of you didn't agree with me. I pray you get saved before you leave here today. Your president is not the fix for what ails this country. David wasn't the answer or the cure for israel david wasn't the answer or cure for even his own sin problem in his own heart you, you see humanity thinks that we need a king humanity thinks we need a different leader we need a different president but we need we need something or somebody else so that we have a identity and we have security and we can have happiness but what the world needed was not david what the world needed was a savior And unlike David, this Savior that would come would not compromise his character. And instead, he would use the power that he had. Listen, he would use his power in what ways? Serve others. Be submissive to God, God's will. Be devoted to God's mercy. Be devoted to God's glory. He would use his power for those things and his character was not sold the way that David's character would be. And instead, he would use the power and the authority that had been given him to do what? To lay down his life for you and me. That's what he did with his power. That's what he did with his authority. He laid it down for you and for me. He even laid it down for his enemies. And through his death and resurrection, he would release into the world this great power that can heal us in our most broken places. That's what he did for us. You see, David wasn't the king that we needed. Jesus was. And He didn't come as King. He came as Savior. And He's called us to trust Him. He's called us to follow Him. He's called us to join Him in what He's doing. And what He's doing is building His church. He's preparing her to come back and get her and take him, take us with Him. We're here to build the kingdom. We're here to build the church. That's our call. That's our command. To join Him in what He's doing. Now we've seen the characteristics of someone who is after God's own heart. Can I just ask you this morning, are these characteristics true of your life? Are these characteristics true of your life? And are you looking for what God is doing and willing to join Him in that work? This is what we've been called to as the people of God. Amen? I want to close with a word of prayer this morning, and I want to invite you to come if you would like to come and pray. Maybe a situation, maybe a health thing going on. Maybe you need to come and pray for somebody else. Family situation. I, I, I don't know. I... Well, I do know there's a lot of situations going on. Maybe you'd like to come pray or pray with someone that's come this morning. I invite you to before we dismiss today. God, this morning again, I come to you thanking you for your goodness for your love, for your mercy. I got to have a conversation with a dear friend this week and talking about where we are because of the mercy of God, where we should have been, where we could have been, but yet you extended us forgiveness and grace and mercy. And then, in that free gift of salvation that you extended me, you said, This is the gift. Live in it and share it with others. You asked me to join you in what you're doing, and that's not always easy. And it's not always something that we think that we can do or I think that I can do. But God, you promised us help and gave us a helper in your Holy Spirit. And you would not call us to do something that we could not do. So with your help, we can. We can join you in building the kingdom. We can be extensions of mercy. We can be submitted to your will and your plan in our lives. We can be devoted to living our lives for your good and your glory. It can be done. And that's what you've called us to. So I thank you this morning for the invitation to join you. God, I continue to pray for ears that hear and eyes that see what you want me to do. And I pray that for our church, these people that I love dearly, that are my family. But they're your church. They're your bride. And so I pray for them, God, that they would see where you are at work. And they would join you in that work. God, I pray for those in our church today that are hurting. That are going through very difficult situations. Some are health issues. Some are very private issues. Some people hurt physically. And some people's hearts hurt because they are broken. And you know every need that's represented in this place today. And God, it's my privilege to join my family, my friends. It's my privilege to be able to join them at your throne where you invited us to come boldly. Don't, don't come with apprehension, but, but come boldly to my throne And seek me and my help. And so, God, I I join my friends at your throne. Begging for your help. Begging for healing. Begging that hope would be restored. Families would be restored. Broken relationships would be restored. Hearts would be healed. God, I pray for Lee as she goes tomorrow that you would just be with her doctor and give her wisdom and guide her and use her for your good. Most of all, I pray your presence would be with Lee. And I know that she would stand today and say she's, her trust is fully in you. But I also know our, the human side of our heart is apprehensive, not knowing what the future holds. So God, be what she needs you to be. Continue to pray for Sue, that you'd bring healing to her body and be with her in her upcoming surgery. Be was Sue Sturdivant, God. Bring healing to her leg. I pray that you would just be her constant companion there and make her room today be a sanctuary of your presence. Continue to pray for Cindy's health, but also pray for their family and the loss of her brother. I know they were close, and I know her heart is broken today. Comfort her. Help her. Be your source of strength. God, I continue to pray for Randy, Danny Cunningham, as they battle cancer and undergo treatments. And there's just so much. I know it's overwhelming for those guys. God, help them. Bring healing to them. Be their sustainer. Not only every day, but every moment of every day, every minute of every hour. That you would be their constant source of help and hope in their lives. God, I just want to thank you again for what you've done in this church over the past hundred and some odd years. Here at this location. You've done a lot of work. There are a lot of people here today that want to join you in the work that, you've do, that you're doing right here in this location. But the truth of the matter is we're about to leave this location here in just a minute. And we're going to go to locations all over this state. Maybe even the world. And it's there that we take you with us. It's there that we follow you in your leading and your guiding. God, I would, I, I would just pray that we would be reminded every day of this week, look for where you're at work and go there. I love you so much today, and I thank you for the love that you've shown me and the blessings that you've poured out on my family and this amazing church. God, I pray that you'll continue to find us faithful, find us obedient. And it's in the powerful and strong name of Jesus that I pray and I ask these things. Amen. Would you stand and join me this morning as we depart with our benediction today? Would you join me this morning in reading? Lord, let us go out into the world in peace and dedicated to your service. Let us hold tightly to that which is good, supporting the weak, helping the needy, and honoring all people. May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. I love you so much.